Welcome to the RCF Podcast. I'm here today with Randall Curtis. He is the pastor of Frenchtown Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Randall, you've been on the podcast before, so welcome back. Great to be here. Last time you were here, we covered some really tough topics. So right? much fun. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. So if you haven't <laughs> listened to those, go back and listen. One of the things that we were actually doing was tackling hard passages of the Bible. And uh, we had so much fun and received such a great response that you're back for another one. You're, you're asking for it, right? <laughs> I enjoy hard passages, I have to admit. Uh, We're going to tackle another one. Here's another hard passage. It's Judges chapter 19. So for the listener, if you haven't read Judges chapter 19 before, I would encourage you to hit pause on this, read through it. But Randall, you'll you'll explain it a little bit of what's going on in there. But it's also really important for us to know the context of the book of Judges. If you turn to the very last page of the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That really sets the stage for what we're about to read. Yes. Yeah, so the, actually, Judges 19 through 21 is one continuous story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has got multiple parts to it. A tiny little incident explodes into civil war. It's really fascinating. And so that verse actually is the concluding verse, not only of the book of Judges, but of this story. So that is the point of the story, that there is no king, and the people of God have descended into moral anarchy, where everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And you'll really see that in this story. There are no heroes. Everyone is a villain. Everyone is doing something wrong. Some of them are trying to make moral choices, but they're doing it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And that is this consistent theme throughout this story. What is interesting about this story is chronologically, it actually takes place earlier in the book of Judges, if we were going by time. It is put at the end because it's the opposite of the pinnacle. It's the depths of depravity of the people of Israel. And so the overarching storyline of the book of Judges is that things go from bad to worse. As soon as Joshua dies, people start to wander away from God, and they just keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And chapters 19 through 21 is the absolute worst. There's some reasons for why this story was chosen, to express how people, when they wander away from God, they just descend into moral anarchy, moral depravity. Things just get worse and worse until they get really, really awful. So if we ever decide that, hey, I would love to live in a society where we could do what I feel is right, this is a really helpful book to go to, right? Yes. And you, there are some things that are pretty, they're pretty relevant commentary on our society. Yeah, absolutely. So especially once you get to 20 and 21, definitely relevant commentary for today, but even chapter 19. Well, let's dive into the, the passage here, Judges 19. All right, so the story opens with a Levite who has a concubine. And already we should have warning bells going off because a concubine is like a second-rate wife Mm -hmm. or like a permanent mistress Mm -hmm. or permanent prostitute even. So it's like you're married, but not really. The Bible is telling a story of what's going on. This is not necessarily saying this is what you should do. Right. right? It, you're already clued in that things are bad. Yeah. Because this Levite who's supposed to know the law mm-hmm. has a concubine, which the Old Testament law does not make allowances for concubines. Mm-hmm. You're either married or you're not. There's no concubine status. Right. However, a concubine was somebody who's had kind of permanent status with the man. And so God probably, from God's perspective, he would treat this woman as his wife. And so she should relate to him as a wife, and he should relate to her as if she's his wife. 
And we'll see that they don't do that. And immediately you see that in chapter 19 because she takes off on her husband. She abandons her husband. We don't know if he was abusive or anything. We don't know why. But she takes off on her husband for four months. She leaves him. And she lives with her father. Now, that means we also have this father who is doing the wrong thing, keeping his daughter with him when he should be sending her back to her husband. He is now party to basically a separation, an illegal separation. So then the Levite goes from where he was living to Bethlehem, where she lives, which is south of Jerusalem, and finds her. Apparently, he finds her outside of the house, and he whispers sweet nothings in her ear or something. So, uh, he, so he's saying something nice and sweet and romantic to her, apparently. And that convinces her to bring him home to her father's house. And things seem to be going good. Apparently, the Levite has made it up with her, and she's made it up with him, and the father-in-law is now on board. And things are going well. He stays there for three days. Then he says, okay, now it's time to leave. You have to remember at this point that hospitality is like one of the main moral principles of this society. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Yep. Hospitality is so important back then. So here he is, the father is being hospitable, but then his son-in-law decides to leave. He has every right to leave with his wife to go to his home, right? And so he's taking his concubine to leave, but his his father-in-law says, hey, you know what? Before you leave, why don't you eat a nice, healthy breakfast? That'll, That'll start you off well. But it's clearly a trick. The father-in-law delays him long enough that then now he doesn't really want to leave. The father-in-law says, why don't you just stay the night? You've stayed so long now. Why don't you just stay the night? And so he says, okay, fine. And then they do this again. And I think they do it a third time. But on the third time, the son-in-law, the Levite says, you know what? Forget it. Even though it's late in the day, I'm just going to leave anyway. You're not going to delay me any longer. So the father-in-law, not only has he harbored the concubine, who legally was obligated to stay with the Levite, but now he's delayed this man. He's used, he's used hospitality to delay the Levite from leaving so he can keep his daughter with him longer. Which it is, it's a misuse of hospitality. He put this Levite in a terrible position where he's either having to refuse hospitality or stay longer than he wants to. And he mm-hmm. shouldn't be placed there. So that's already bad. So now we've, we've got up to this bad start with this story. It seems small. It's just a man and his, and his concubine. But it now is going to have a snowball effect. Sort of like one of my favorite Dr. Seuss books, uh, all because a little bug went achoo. That where one little <laughs> tiny thing ends up snowballing into something terrible. So the Levite and his concubine, they, they leave, and now he's headed north. He's headed to Bethel, I believe, which means he's going to pass by Jerusalem, which at that time was the city of Jebus, and it was held by Gentiles. The Israelites didn't, did not live there at this time. There were Gentiles living there. And so the servant that's with them is like, hey... Why don't we stop at Jebus? It's getting to be night. You don't want to be out at night on the road because you're going to get robbed, Mm -hmm. maybe killed. But he says, no, no, no. We're not going to go to a Gentile city. That would be unsafe. They don't have morals there. And so he says, you know, let's keep going. And they keep going to Gibeah, which is an Israelite city. It's part of the tribe of Benjamin. And it's just a little further on. So they head there, but it's already late at night. And so normally, because hospitality is so important, you would stay with somebody. But it's probably too late at night for that. And so they're just in the square of the town. And an old man happens to be late coming back in from his fields. And so he sees them in the square. And he's like, you guys need to get inside. And at this point, this should already be sounding familiar. This sounds exactly Genesis. like Genesis 19, yeah. the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And the similarities do not end there. Mm-hmm. So the old man says, hey, you need to come inside with me. 
And so they, they go inside and they stay with this old man. And they're having a good time inside when the wicked men of the city surround the house and they're calling out to the old man, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. And again, this sounds exactly like Genesis 19. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. So we're, we're starting to get the idea that Gibeah, which was supposed to be the safe, moral Israelite village, is just as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. which is like in the Old Testament, that's the ultimate in badness. Right. Well, the, well they got destroyed. Yeah. yeah. By, by fire and brimstone. Right. God made a special case out of them. Yeah. You guys are so bad, I'm going to judge you before everybody else. And here we have everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. And where do they end up? The exact same place is Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, it all degenerates to this level. Mm-hmm. Well, in a very similar fashion, so far it seems like we've got an okay guy in the Levite and an okay guy in the old man who says, hey, why don't you come into my house? So far we've thought that. But here's where we start to realize even these guys aren't that wonderful. All right? Because the old man says, oh, don't do this evil thing. How about if I give you my daughter and you can have this man's concubine? And have sex with them instead. Now, this is a terrible idea. This is awful. No one should ever do this. On the other hand, you can sort of understand the logic, right? Raping a woman is evil. Raping a man is evil. Which one, though, is less like God's original design? It's raping a man. So you sort of understand the logic, but it's not an actual solution. Yeah. (laughs) Right? This is not an actual good option. Mm -hmm. If they refused, they would have all been dead or something. I don't really know what the right thing to do here is. But this was not it. Yeah. This was not the best option. Right. And the men don't want to listen to them. And so the Levite takes matters into his own hand. He grabs his concubine and he shoves her out the door and just offers her up to the men. And this is why I started the whole thing with saying, we're off to a bad start, that it's a concubine and not a wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can see he's treating her like a lesser person. She's not really my full wife. She's just property. Yeah. He's not treating her the way that God would want a man to treat his wife. Mm -hmm. You know, he should be protecting her. Instead, he's offering her up to protect him. Mm. It's terrible. How many men would send a woman out into that rather than saying, hey, you're going to have to go through me first. You're going to have to kill me first before you get to her. Right. I mean, that would have been the the right thing to do, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's just completely messed up. Oh, and part of what's going into the owner's mind is he's thinking hospitality. I have to do whatever is necessary to protect my guest. Mm. So that's why he's willing to sacrifice his virgin daughter before sacrificing his guests. Mm -hmm. So this is them doing what is right in their own eyes. They're they're actually making moral judgments. Mm -hmm. They're just really warped moral judgments. Well, and that's important, right? Even for today, as we think through how many people think that they are doing the right thing, making those moral judgments, yet it's what's right in their own eyes as opposed to yes. this is what God has called us to do. Yes, and that's why it's so, that, that phrase of everyone doing what is right in their own eyes, so carefully phrased. Mm-hmm. The book of Judges doesn't say everyone was doing evil. Mm-hmm. It says they were doing what is right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. So they are trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's just their moral judgment is so off that they aren't doing the right thing. Yeah. Anyway, he shoves the concubine out, and... You think that's bad enough. Well, they gang rape her all night. Uh, We don't know how late it was, so we don't know how many hours this is. And we don't get any details. 
and I don't want to know. But whatever it was, it was not a pleasant experience for her. When it's all over, they let her go. And so as it's, the day is starting, she gets back to the house and she dies on the doorstep. She collapses and dies on the doorstep. She can't even make it into the house, which is terrible. But then to add insult to injury, the Levite gets up and he's like, it's time to go. So he slept. He sent his concubine out mm-hmm. to get gang raped. He knows that. And he went to bed. And he gets up in the morning and he goes outside to leave. And there he sees his concubine dead on the doorstep. And he says, get up, let's go. He doesn't say, how are you? Can I comfort you from this awful experience? He's like, it's time to go. Again, he's not treating her like a full wife. But she doesn't respond, obviously. So he puts her corpse on his donkey and he sets off for home. And when he gets home, he takes out his knife and he takes her corpse and he cuts her into 12 pieces, her corpse into 12 pieces, and sends the bits, one to each of the 12 tribes, with a message as to the horrible thing that was done. Again, was this the right way to handle it? Do I think that he should have let people know that this terrible thing happened? Yes, I do. Do I think cutting up the concubine's corpse was the correct way to go about letting people know? Uh, No, I don't. I mean, that shows, again, that he doesn't actually care about her Mm -hmm. as a full human being. He's Mm -hmm. treating her as something less than human. You know, it's just like a brutal, savage thing to do. It's not uh, like, it's not even like civilized in any sense. It's just, it's just like, why would you choose that way Mm -hmm. of sending your message? Now, there's probably something... He's doing it for the shock value, mm-hmm. and maybe there's an intended like a curse involved in that. May this happen to you if you don't respond to the situation, maybe. Uh, but it's a little unclear as to why he chooses this way. Yeah, we don't get an explanation. Not fully. But it works, because everyone who saw it said, nothing like this has ever happened or has been since the, the day the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt until now. Think it over, discuss it, and speak up. So he, he's, he causes a stir. And then chapters 20 and 21 are the end result of all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it's, you know, this is a lot to swallow here. Yeah. And so, like, I think it's good to to stop and reflect on this for a moment. The value of this story is how honest Scripture is about how evil people can be. Mm -hmm. The world is an evil place. People are no different today than they were back then. Uh, There has been gang rape on the news in recent days, uh, you know, I have met someone who has been, who was gang raped on the mission field. You know, horrible things like cutting up corpses happens today. People do that today. People are still doing things this evil. Left to their own devices, people end up like this. If you go back to the Holocaust, you know, normal everyday Germans ended up doing horrific things as they let themselves go down that slippery slope. Mm-hmm. inhuman things. And this is, how, this is where people end up left to themselves. And it has to do with the nature of sin, the rot of sin that's in our hearts, the corruption of sin. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this story is it's just honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really get into the gruesome details too much, but it lets you know enough. You see it and you say, yeah, people can really be that evil. Yeah. People can really be that way. And it's a repulsive yeah, I mean, it should be disgusting to us. That's you know? the point. And, and so if you said, you know, I read this and I, I closed the book, I didn't want to keep reading, that, that is the point. Exactly. We, we should get to that point to recognize 
this is how bad sin is. Yes. Because in our society, too often we minimize sin. We don't think it's as bad as it really is. And so a story like this shows us if we continue spiraling down, this is where it leads. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, you have to constantly be saying there, but for the grace of God go I. Yeah. But one of the things I, I love is you've got this awful story in Scripture. So Scripture acknowledges the problem of sin, but Scripture also includes the solution to sin. Mm-hmm. That Jesus came, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for his sin, and he sends the Holy Spirit to regenerate us, to give us a new heart so that we do not live this way going forward. We don't mm-hmm. turn into this kind of animalistic, terrible state. Mm-hmm. And it's due to the grace of God in our lives, thankfully, because of what Christ has done for us. So the Bible is really open and honest about how terrible sin is, but at the same time it says, here's also the solution. That yeah. is a problem that has been solved, and it can be solved in your life if you trust in Christ mm-hmm. and choose to follow him. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what's so, so good about this story. It acknowledges the problem. The, the Bible is honest about what human beings are like. At the same time, the Bible says there's a solution to that problem. Amen. Very interesting stuff. Randall, I know we're out of time. Thanks for stopping by to share with us today. Um, Help us tackle a really hard passage. We could actually continue talking about this. There's a lot more in chapter 20 and 21 that we could dive into. So why don't we tackle chapters 20 and 21 next week in another episode? Sounds great. Thanks for stopping by today. We'll see you again next week on the RCF Podcasts. You've been listening to the RCF Podcast. If you'd like more information on Rhodey Christian Fellowship, you can visit us on the web at rhodeyfellowship.com or find us on Instagram at rhodeyfellowship.com.